And uh, if we do it, the Apostle Paul tells us that the world will know that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. All right. And then we looked, we also looked the last time, I think, if I'm not mistaken, we looked at um, the unity. And the reason why we have unity is because we are all part of one body uh, and we are of one spirit. We have unity because we, are, uh, we all have one hope of our calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father. That's so far that the, what the Apostle Paul has been sharing with us with regards to unity, and he's, he's been spending some time. And he's been giving us some interesting things to ponder about, to think about with regards to unity. Unity is not just something that comes automatically. It comes in the sense um, that the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us. And when the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us, He is the one that brings about the unity. Yeah? He, he unites God's people. But that's not where it stays. We have to keep that unity. And for us to keep that unity, this is where the Apostle Paul comes in and he shares quite a few things with us that we need to be doing as we want to, to see that unity be a reality. Now, in our passage for this morning, uh, or our passage for today in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 to 16, the Apostle Paul tells us that Christ gave us some gifts. He gave gifts to the church to keep this unity, to basically be the instruments in God's hands to basically make sure that this unity continues. So God gives gifts to the church, or Christ gives uh, gifts to the church. I'm not going to read the passage. What we're going to do is, as we work our way through the passage, asking some questions to the passage, I'm going to read the different verses. All right. So what the Apostle Paul does is, if you, well, this is what I do with the passage of Scripture, is I ask questions. And then I see if I can find the answer in the passage of Scripture. Um, because the question just kind of stands out. And one of those questions that stood out to me with regard to this passage is, where do these gifts come from that the Apostle Paul is speaking about? And for us to, to find out what it is, we're going to read verse 7 to 10 of Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 7 to 10. Before we do that, though, let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can come to you. Thank you that you are God, that we can worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you that we have your word so that we can read your word, study your word, and find out what you have to say to us so that we can apply your word in our lives, in the congregation, and then go and live your word. I pray this morning as we look at what the Apostle Paul has been given by the Holy Spirit, the revelation that he received with regards to unity, I pray, Father, that you will please open up our hearts to receive your word, our minds to understand your word, and give us the ability to live your word, Father, we pray in Jesus' name, and enable me as your servant to teach your word so that your people your children may hear and apply it to their lives. As we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right. I see there the children are coming. So the first question 
that um, I saw in this passage of Scripture is, where do these gifts come from? So what I would like us to do is, once the kids are in, we're going to read verse 7 to 10 of Ephesians chapter 4. Love it, there's nothing as beautiful as unity. Um, what, one of the things that kind of, let's say it's one of the examples that I, I cherish is my time that I, I've been in, in uh, MET when I've been in missions and the way that the, um, the directors of the ministry, the way that they uh, kept the unity of the faith. Uh, when we would have meetings, we would sit and discuss issues, and if we were not all in agreement, we would not make a decision. We had to be in agreement, 100% agreement before we would make a decision. And it had far-reaching implications for the ministry. We could see how the Lord has blessed the ministry because we didn't want to break that unity. And, and let me tell you, we've had times where we disagreed. Uh, I remember since the time that I started off in, in missions, there was one issue that, let's say every second or third meeting that we had, that issue would come up. And because we were not in agreement, it will stand over to the next time. And in the meantime, we would pray about it. And when I left the ministry, that issue was not resolved yet. But we never continued until we came to a united decision on that specific issue. So I, sorry, I just want to. Right. So unity is one of those things that is, is beautiful, something that we can treasure. And especially when it comes to us as believers, I believe that we need to keep that unity, as the Apostle Paul says. To keep that unity in the faith, to endeavor to stay united with one another. And, and really put effort into it to make sure that we keep that unity. It's very easy to lose it. Very, very easy. So we need to be on our guard. Alright, so where do these gifts come from that helps in this having unity within the church the apostle paul says in verse 7 of ephesians chapter 4 he says but to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of christ's gift therefore he says when he ascended on high he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men now this he ascended what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth he who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Just that last verse. Verse 10 says, it's so beautiful. He who descended is also the one who ascended, which means the one that came to this earth became flesh. God, the second person of the Trinity who came and dwelled among us, 
who took on human form. He's the one who descended. He's also the one who ascended, who went to heaven, nah? far above all the heavens, which means he's now in a, uh, at an exalted position, far above everything. That's the Christ that we worship, that he might fill all things, that he might be preeminent, that he might be the greatest, that he might be the most important of all, because that's who Christ is. And beloved, it's Jesus Christ who made it possible for millions of believers. And I want you to listen very carefully. Millions of believers. He is the one who makes it possible for millions of believers to stand in unity with one another. Without him, not possible. This world, um, I remember that song, you know, World in Union, or World in Unity or something like that. When I listen to that song, I always think to myself, that's wishful thinking. There's no way that you can have unity outside of Christ. There's no way that you can have unity without the Holy Spirit indwelling each one of the people that needs to be united with one another. Because it's a God thing. It is God who brings us into unity and it's God who, 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 who makes it possible through Christ, obviously. But then he comes and he says, now you keep it. I've done it. You keep it. And he gives us this amazing responsibility to put effort into it, to make sure that we stay united with one another. Beloved, let me tell you, and I think you will agree with me, that we've seen, you must have seen a lot of disunity within the church. Disunity within believers or within local churches, where churches split up because they have broken the unity that Christ through the Apostle Paul so clearly tells us that we need to endeavor put effort into it to make sure that we stay in unity with one another but now in our passage this morning we see that the gifts that Christ gives to the church is given because of his grace and it's given freely by his grace. What else did we find in the letter of the Apostle Paul to the Ephesians that is by grace through faith? It's our salvation. It's a free gift. Something that God offers us by his grace. And here the same thing. Christ gives gifts to the church by his grace unmerited favor it's not something that we can work for it's not something that we can decide one day all right let's just put our elbow into it and let's do it no it's a work of his grace that's why he gives gifts to the church and he gives them freely beloved now salvation is a free gift of his grace and now this gift is also by his grace now in verse 8 to 10 we see that Christ gave the gifts after he ascended into heaven. Okay? Now, there's this beautiful picture because what Christ is actually doing here, or Paul, the Apostle Paul, under inspiration of the Spirit, is actually sharing with us uh, a prophecy that comes from uh, Psalm 68, verse 18. And the meaning of this is basically this idea that Jesus ascended into heaven 
It's actually, it's got this beautiful picture, and I want you to picture it in your mind for a moment. You have a king, and this king takes his soldiers, his army, and he goes and fights the enemy. And then he conquers that enemy. He wins the battle. He not only wins the battle, he wins the war. He defeats that enemy. And what normally would happen in those days is they would take that conquered king, the king that has been defeated, and they would tie him up behind a chariot. And then they would drive through the city with this king behind this chariot. And while they are doing that, this chariot will be filled with gifts, normally money. But it could be all kinds of different gifts would be in this chariot and there would be people in this chariot that would take these gifts and as they, would drive, as they drive through this city with this conquered king at the back, this new king would take these gifts and they would be thrown to the crowd as they were looking on this conquered king who was taken through the city. Humiliation for the king that has been conquered, but victory for the king that won the war. And this king immediately starts reaching out to the people by giving them gifts. Because he is the king who has now conquered. And if he doesn't give the people gifts, obviously what he is telling them is they're not important to him. But because he gives them gifts, they are very important to him. Now Paul was telling the Ephesians that Jesus is that conquering king. He is the one who conquered. And as he ascended into heaven, what did he do? He did what the conquering king would do, is he would give out gifts. That's exactly what he did. But those gifts he gave to the church. Because remember, the church is his body. It's his people. He's the head of the church. So he gives gifts to his church. And before Jesus ascended, the scripture tells us that he first descended. That is the incarnation. That is God, the second person of the Trinity, who became human, who became flesh and blood, who took on human form, who humbled himself, humiliated himself, and became a human being in the person of Jesus Christ. He left heaven and he came down to earth. And when he came down to earth, we know what happened. Scripture teaches us now that he was arrested. He was put on trial even though he was not guilty. He was crucified. He was buried. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. And then... Forty days later, he ascended to heaven. A conquering king. The one who conquered sin, death, and Satan. And he gave gifts to his church. So that you and I do not have to try to figure out how in the world are we going to live as believers. And by the way, the greatest gift that we have received... It's the gift that Jesus promised in the Gospel of John, where he says, when I leave, I'm going to send you the Helper, the Holy Spirit, 
and He will dwell within you. He will live within you. That's the greatest gift that we have received. And then the Holy Spirit is the one who then distributes the gifts. Yeah? Not just the gifts that we are, talking, uh, we are reading about here in, in Ephesians chapter 4, but spiritual gifts. The different spiritual gifts, but we will get there just now. Beloved, the next question that came up to my mind or in my mind as I was reading this passage is, what or who are these gifts then that were freely given to the church by the grace of God? And it's very interesting because when we think of gifts, we normally think of the spiritual gifts. No? Speaking in tongues and prophecy and the gift of powers, or doing miracles, you know, wisdom and knowledge and those kind of gifts. Those are the gifts that we think about that we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But that's not what Paul is speaking about here. It's amazing what he says here. Look at verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. So what Jesus gives to the church is gifted men. People. Obviously, we receive the spiritual gifts. Don't get me wrong. It's very clear in the New Testament that we need to, get the, need to have those spiritual gifts so that we can minister to one another and edify one another and build up the church of Jesus Christ and, and glorify God through the gifts that He has given us. But that's not what Paul is speaking about here. He's speaking about men. Men that is given to the church. And obviously these men should be gifted men. Yeah, because they need to have the Holy Spirit that indwells them, that enables them to be the kind of men that God wants the church to have. Beloved, and that's why when you read through the New Testament, there's such a great emphasis placed on why elders need to be qualified. Why deacons need to be qualified? Why apostles and prophets need to be qualified? You can't just take any deaconary and put him in the church and say, lead the church. You can't do that. It has to be qualified men. And it's amazing what the Apostle Paul says to us. He says, Christ takes these men and he gives them to the church as a gift to the church. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 so we can have an idea of the spiritual gifts in comparison to what the Apostle Paul is saying to us here in our passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to read from verse 8. And as we read through it, I, I want you to notice there's a word that is repeated, or two words that's repeated over and over and over again in our study on the interpretation of Scripture in our um, how can I say in our teaching in the evening this is one of the things that you're going to learn is look for things that repeat because if they repeat it means it is important very important and the more times it repeats the more important it is right so listen to what we read in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 8 I'm going to read up to verse 11 it says for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit 
to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by the same spirit to another the works of miracles to another prophecy to another discerning of spirits to another different kinds of tongues let me just stop there quickly does it say to everyone the gift of tongues doesn't say that no so how in the world do people get to that point where they say for you to prove that you are baptized in the holy spirit you got to speak in tongues and everybody has to speak in tongues it's not true no it's not true and why because of that little word those two words to another not to everyone but to another and then he says and to another the interpretation of tongues in verse 11 but one and the same spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually as he wills not as i will as he wills many years ago when i started questioning the way that tongues were functioning within the church and i believed it was a was just a lot of gibberish and, and not really tongues uh, i would ask people that could speak in tongues and i would say to them listen can you speak in tongues and they would say to me yes I can i say all right speak let me hear and then they would speak and then i would use this verse that says but isn't it the spirit that gives individually as he wills why are you doing what i will what i want you to do it's the holy spirit that works the gifts it's not at our pleasure and whenever we decide it's whenever the spirit decides and how the spirit is going to use it but we're not going to continue with the gifts because otherwise i'm going to get carried away what we need to understand is that the spiritual gifts that we read about in first corinthians chapter 12 these gifts are given by the holy spirit that indwells the believer now that holy the holy spirit dwells within the believer and then it's the holy spirit as he wills who gives the gifts to the believer so that the believer can then use those gifts to the edification of the body of christ that's the purpose all right but here in ephesians chapter 4 the apostle paul um, tells the readers that christ gifts gifted men to the church to function in different offices in the church that's basically what he says christ jesus gives these men the gifts now through the holy spirit it's the holy spirit that enables them that qualifies them that gifts these men so that they can edify the church to build up the church to bring believers to maturity that's their purpose that's why they are given to the church as gifts to the church freely given by christ beloved and when these men function within their giftings then they are truly a gift to the church and i mean all you need to do is just listen to sermons from people that are or men that are really gifted and you will be blessed it's just how it works you are edified this week i've been listening to quite a few um, sermons and, and messages from gifted men that god has given to the church wow and i've been blessed 
because they are gifted. They really, truly gifted people, uh, men to, that, that are able to, to bless the church and to edify the church. Now, when we get to verse 11, verse 11 tells us that Christ gave some to be apostles. And once again, look at the word that is repeated. Some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and then some pastors and teachers. So not everyone, only some. And, and beloved, by the way, these some, or the some that Paul is speaking about here, the decision is not ours. The decision is not somebody that rises up and says, all right, I'm an apostle now, or I'm a prophet now. That's not how it works. It is Jesus Christ who gives the, these men, gifted men, as gifts to the church. He decides. It's not up to us. It is up to Christ. Obviously, the church will confirm that these men are gifted and that these men should be ministering within the church. And what does he say? First of all, he says, apostles are gifts to the church. And remember when I preached about apostles and that the office of the apostle ended? Remember that I said that the apostles were eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Christ? Now they, they were placed into the church for a specific purpose. And the apostle Paul tells us in, in Ephesians chapter 2.20 that they are responsible to, or they were responsible to lay the foundation of the church. And once the foundation of the church was laid, they were no longer needed in the church because the foundation was laid. Okay? So if we look at the foundation that has been laid in the church, and, and I'm talking about the scriptures that we have now, if we look at the first congregation and we look how the church developed through the years and how God looked after his church and how he used the apostles um, as we read the New Testament, were these apostles gifts to the church? I would say yes, definitely. They were a big gift to the church, and they fulfilled their purpose. And once they fulfilled their purpose, the office of apostle was no longer needed. Same thing with prophets. Ephesians chapter 2.20 also tells us that the prophets were needed to lay the foundation of the church. But the prophets also had another massive responsibility. And that is to basically proclaim the revelation of God. To share what God wants, wants us to know and wants Christians through all, all the ages to know. But just like the prophets, uh, like the apostles, the office was also temporary. And once the foundation was laid... Oh, and was it a good foundation that was laid? They were no longer needed. The third group of men that the Apostle Paul speaks about, he calls them evangelists. And the word evangelist literally means a bearer of good news. That's what it means. Which means a bearer of the gospel. 
Someone that goes out and preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and His reign as King. That's what an evangelist does. They, they say that the evangelists work very closely with the apostles. And that's why you would find, for example, that the apostle Paul speaks to Timothy. And he says to him, fulfill your ministry. And he's talking about the ministry of an evangelist. Even though Timothy was a pastor in the Ephesian church. But he also had the ministry of an evangelist alongside the Apostle Paul. But when we look at the church, you will find gifted men who are evangelists who would preach the gospel and people would come to salvation. Why? Because they are gifted by God to preach the gospel in such a way, to convey it in such a way that people listen to it and they are struck to the heart. Are these men gifted men to the church? Yes, for sure. Philip, for example, in Acts chapter 21, he was an evangelist. Very good example of an evangelist. An evangelist proclaimed the gospel publicly and privately. And what happened was the apostles and the prophets would build the foundation of the church. And guess what the evangelists would do? They would build on the foundation. Not try to build another foundation or to take out the foundation that the apostles and the prophets has already laid and then lay their own. No, they would build on that foundation because that's their function, that's their office, that's what they are supposed to do. And what gospel would they preach obviously they would preach the gospel that was revealed to them by the apostles and the prophets they don't proclaim their own thing they don't make up their own gospel they don't create their own Jesus or come up with their own spirit or another gospel they proclaim what has already been revealed by the apostles and the prophets and then the fourth and the fifth one kind of the Apostle Paul combines now when he speaks about pastors and teachers that were given to the church as a gift. He combines them. And, and why can we say that he combines them? It's because he, he doesn't use the word some in both cases. He kind of combines them. Pastors, teachers. In the Greek you will see it's pastors, teachers. Even though you can split them up. But it seems as if the Apostle Paul was, was combining these two pastors and teachers combining them into one because it's interesting when you are a pastor it means you're an elder and if you're an elder your qualification is that you must be apt to teach you must be able to teach you will not find an elder that cannot teach if an elder cannot teach then he's not an elder okay so a pastor who's an elder will be able to teach and that's why it seems as if it could be combined. And that's why verse 11 says to us, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. He combines the two into one. But we can split it up into two if we want to. Beloved, it's said that the role of a pastor certainly requires feeding the flock, making sure that they get their food at the right time, like a shepherd. 
because that's part of pastoring is shepherding and it's not physical food no? it's spiritual food that's what the pastor gives or the, the, the shepherds give to the flock they give the, con the congregation they give the flock spiritual food and then they teach what do they teach their own ideas they sit and they study and then they come up with this wonderful idea and then they come to the church and they say hey let me tell you about my wonderful idea and they start preaching or they start teaching the church no that's not how it works whenever the word is, te uh, is taught it is taught in accordance to what the apostles and the prophets share and what was revealed already in God's word and it's interesting that the term pastor is only found here in the Bible. You don't find the word pastor anywhere else. But if you go to Acts chapter 20, for example, 1 Peter 5, it's clear that pastor and shepherd and elder and bishop and overseer are basically different terms for the same person. So whenever you read those words, it's basically referring to a pastor in a church. And the work of a pastor, teacher, let's call it a pastor, teacher, pastor slash teacher, or a pastor um, and teacher separately, is to oversee the flock of God and to feed the flock of God, to make sure that they have good nourishment, good food, so they can grow to maturity. We're going to look at that just now. And like the evangelist, beloved, pastors and teachers continue even to today. They are there. They're in churches. Teaching, feeding the flock of God with the words and the revelations of the apostles and the prophets of old. They don't come up with new things because if they do, then they are false teachers. Yeah? False pastors. Then they are like wolves in sheepskin. Right, another question that came up in my mind is why does Christ give these men as gifts to the church? What is the purpose? Why? Wouldn't it be much easier just to give spiritual gifts? The Holy Spirit is the one who gives the spiritual gifts and everybody's got their spiritual gift and they use it within the church and all the members are buzzing and, and ministering to one another and using their gifts to the edification of one another. And it's just this amazing organism that moves. Why would God come and put people in place that are in a specific office with a specific responsibility? Beloved, it's the amazing thing about God. Is God's wisdom is not our wisdom. The way God decides to do things is not the way that we do things. And this is the way that God decided to do it and we can kick against it and we can fight against it and we can say we do not agree with it it doesn't change anything the reality is that God has given gifted men to the church for a specific purpose and what is that purpose let's read verse 12 Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 12 because here is the purpose this is where the apostle Paul reveals to us why Christ Jesus when he ascended on high, why he gave gifts and why he gave gifted men to the church. Verse 12 starts off by saying, 
for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Here's the first thing. Which means that these gifted men are given to the church with a purpose, and that purpose is to take believers, to equip them. That's what we are doing on a Sunday evening now. I'm equipping you to study Scripture and to be able to interpret Scripture. But equipping as well when I preach the Word and I expound God's Word and I'm sharing with you uh, how to live as a believer, how to live a sanctified life, how to be holy, how to be saved, all those things. To equip the saints and then to equip the saints in such a way that they are able to then fulfill their ministry because each believer has a ministry. Each believer has a function within the church. Beloved, there is no such thing as a binge warmer in the church. Did you know that? If you come to church on a Sunday and you come and sit on these benches and you just sit and then say, oh, I've got my food for the week. <gasps> Thank you. And you walk out and off you go. And until next week. And you come and warm the bench again. There's a problem. There's a big problem. As God has given gifted men to the church to equip the saints for their work of ministry, God the Holy Spirit has equipped the saints with gifts so that they can minister to one another. And God's people are responsible to use those gifts for the edification of the church. So there's not a believer that can sit and say, I'm a believer, but I don't have a gift. That's not true. Each believer receives a gift. And that gift has to be used in ministry. Not to sit and say, oh, I've got a gift. Hmm, I'm going to enjoy this gift. It's all mine. Because I see it among charismatics. Yeah, they speak in tongues and it's this gibberish thing and they just use it when they pray. Nobody's edified. Nobody's uplifted. But that's not the purpose of the gifts, is it? The purpose of the gifts is to edify the church. Right? And it's my job to equip so that you can know what your ministry is. And then, not, I can't tell you what your ministry is. God tells you what your ministry is. The Holy Spirit works His gifts through you. And He normally confirms it through the church. And then you use that gift for the edification of the body of Christ. Not for self. It's directed at your fellow brothers and sisters to edify them. All right, so he says, For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse 13. Beloved, and this is what needs to happen with the church. We need to, obviously, every saint needs to be busy in the work of ministry. But not only that, but saints all the believers needs to be busy edifying one another okay and remember that the body of christ in its smallest form is the local church now the local congregation is the smallest form that you will find the body of christ 
but we do have the universal body of Christ, which means all believers of all time who lived on all of the earth. That's the body of Christ, not universal. So we need to equip the saints. Well, I need to equip the saints for the work of ministry so that they can do ministry towards one another and then to edify the body of Christ. And then he says, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So, beloved, as you do the work of ministry and as you edify one another, this church will come to a unity. And if you don't do it, guess what is going to happen? The local church will be split apart. You know why? Because one part of the body is going to say to another part of the body, I don't need you. You mean nothing to me. You hear me? And guess what will happen? Enmity comes in. Strife comes in. The vision comes in and you end up with the Corinthian church. So the whole idea is that the saints get equipped so that they can do the work of ministry. And as they do the work of ministry and they edify one another and they minister to one another and they bless one another, there's a unity that develops among the church members because it's such a blessing to be among these people because I'm being ministered to. Yes, obviously it's the person. But because I know Scripture, I know it's the Spirit of God that's working through that person, ministering to me. And I'm edified. And that builds the unity within a church. And that keeps the church in unity. But the moment that members decide, no, I'll keep my, my gift to myself, or I don't have a gift, and the church splits up, People live in disunity and God is not glorified. Right, but not only that they will come to the unity of the faith, but also and of the knowledge of the Son of God, because we are ministering to one another. He says to a perfect man, someone that is complete, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we will get to know Christ completely for who He is. And beloved, we cannot do it by ourselves. We need to be ministered to by fellow brothers and sisters. We need one another. Iron needs to sharpen iron. We need to sharpen one another. We need to, what is it, brush shoulders now? Or what is it? Verse 14. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Oh, so what we need is to minister to one another so that we can grow to maturity. And when we grow to maturity, there will be unity. And when there is unity, we will not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, every false nonsense that comes into the church. Everybody just grabs onto it very hard if there's a church that stands united and they believe the same doctrines very hard to change such a church to get such a church to split up because the unity is not built on individuals but the unity is built on the truth of God's word and the spirit of God that dwells within them 
And when there is a wind of doctrine, a false doctrine that's coming, just the wind of it is coming. There will be people that notice it immediately. And guess who they are? Wow, they are the people with the gift of the discernment of spirits. They are the ones that can discern whether this doctrine is of God or whether this is of the devil or whether it comes from demons. And what will they do? They will edify the body by sounding the alarm. Watch out! This is false. Don't allow it in the church. And those who do not have the gift of the discernment of spirits will say, thank you very, very much. I'm so blessed by the fact that you could see this. I'm not going to be all upset because you had the ability to see it and I didn't. I'm going to glorify God. Because I'm in the body of Christ. And I'm warned because that's the way it works. And this body stays in unity with one another because we are ministering to one another. We're using the gifts that God has given us. We edify one another. And we are being equipped to minister to one another. Verse 15. He says, but speaking the truth in love. And there we go. See those words? Speaking the truth. Beloved, unity is always based on truth. Unity cannot be based on error. Error will always destroy unity. But truth will keep us together. And where do we find truth? Where do we find objective truth? Where do we find ultimate truth? Where do we find truth that will always be truth now and forever from eternity to eternity in the future? Didn't Jesus say, thy word is truth? Which means God's word is truth. Beloved, and if we base what we believe on the word of God, we stand in the truth and it will keep us united. But it's amazing how the Apostle Paul says, but speaking the truth in love. Because remember that love is that amazing thing. It's sacrificial. It's not all about me. Love is actually about my fellow brother and sister. And when I speak the truth in that kind of love, it means that I carry the, the, my fellow brother and sister on my hands and on my heart. I want to see the best for them. They are important to me, so important that I am willing to speak the truth. I will not keep quiet, but it will always be in a spirit of love. Where I am willing to sacrifice myself. And I can say on the altar, to edify my brother and sister in Christ. And to share the truth of God's word with them. Right, so the Apostle Paul says, but speaking the truth in love, that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, and that is Christ, so that we can look like him, so that we can have his characteristics, so that we can be like him, that our character and our life can betray Christ. Yo, beloved, think about it. If everybody in the church 
has the character of Christ, the virtues of Christ. Wow. Wouldn't that be a blessing? Then the Apostle Paul concludes in verse 16 when he says, from whom the whole body, and he's talking about the church, and he's speaking about the Ephesian church here. He's talking about the smallest body that you can find, which is the local church, because he's speaking to the Ephesians. He says, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, because every part of that body is just as important as the others. And by the way, that's why the Apostle Paul said that there are parts of the body that we normally cover up. Now you know that. Because it needs to be hidden. There's certain parts of the body that you're not going to parade. You're not going to take it and parade it to everyone. You cover it. Because it's special. But every part of the body has a function. And let me tell you, having rectal cancer... I think for the first time in my life I've realized how important my rectum is. Before it was just there. But beloved, there's not a part of our body, this body that God has placed us into, that Christ is the head of, that is not important. And we cannot get along without it. We need every single body part. We need every single joint. We need every single fiber so that the body of Christ can function as an organism, as a living thing that edifies one another, that grows in grace and that becomes everything that God wants us to be as he revealed it to the Apostle Paul. This is amazing stuff. I can preach about this for a year, by the way. I'm just pressing it into a little bag here. But I can preach about this for a year because it's amazing what the Apostle Paul is saying here. Let's just read verse 16 again. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies yeah, to the body, basically according to the effective working by which every part does its share. So as each one of us do our ministry and do our share, what does it do? It causes growth of the body for the edification of itself in love. Beloved, that's where we need to get. We need to be in unity. So at the end of the day, this body can grow to become a mature body in Christ. And that we will edify one another. It says edify itself. Now, this body needs to edify itself. This body exists to edify itself. Every member is there to edify this body. Obviously, when we go to another body, another local church, then I will bless that church with what God has given me. But while I'm here, I'm here to edify this church. I'm here to edify this body. So I want to encourage you, if you're a saved believer, if you are Filled with the Holy Spirit, find out what your giftings are so that you can use it for the edification of this body so we can be edified. Find out what it is. As each part of this body does its job, its function, its, its role, plays its role, don't wait for somebody else to do what God is calling you to do. 
I think there's a word that we need to start using within the church. And I think that word is stop being lazy. Stop being lazy. Start ministering. And you'll be surprised how you will be blessed if you start ministering. Because that's the way it works. As you minister to God's people, you are blessed. It just works like that. Beloved, I stand behind this pulpit every Sunday in pain. In a lot of pain sometimes. But there's no greater blessing for me to have the privilege of preaching God's word to you, to use the gift that God has given me to minister to you, to edify you, to teach the word of God to you. It is a blessing. And I'm willing to take the pain because the blessing is so much more. Let me conclude with this. The gift that Christ gives to the church is given because of His grace. Beloved, and it's given freely. You don't have to go and work for it. Just like your salvation, it's a free gift. Please take that gift and use it. Don't be like the, um, what do they call them, the servants now that received um, ten talents and five talents and one talent. Don't be like that. Take what God has given you and use it for the edification of the body of Christ. Minister to one another. Bless one another with what God has given you. Be active. So the gift that Christ gives to the church is given because of His grace and it's given freely. Christ gave the gifts after He ascended to heaven. And the giver of the gifts obviously is the Holy Spirit who indwells every born-again believer. And the Holy Spirit calls men and He gifts them. He gives them gifts and then He gives them to the church as a gift. And some of these gifted men, the Apostle Paul tells us, are apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. They're given to the church to prepare the church or to prepare the members for their work of ministry, to build up the members of the body and to prevent the church from staying children in the faith but to grow to maturity beloved God's wisdom is so much higher than our wisdom isn't it beloved and it's your and my responsibility I want you to hear me clearly it is our responsibility it is not a choice that you can make or I can make. It's not something that I can put on the afterburner. Eh? Something that I can put one side and say. There will be a day when I will start doing it. No from the moment that God saves you. And you are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives you a gift. Th that you can use for the edification of the body of Christ. And we need to use it. We need to use it. God's wisdom is higher than our wisdom. And may the church be united. And may we grow to maturity to the glory of God as God uses each one of us as we use our gifts in this local body. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, it's such a privilege to come to you this morning. And it's a mouthful and we haven't touched on the 
on the surface of what the Apostle Paul was revealed when he wrote what he wrote down. But Father, I pray that the little that has been shared this morning, that it will be sufficient to get all of us moving. Those who are ministering already, I pray, Father, that you will enable them to minister even more. And for those who are keeping back their gift from other believers, I pray, Father, that you will stir up in them, that they will start using their gift. Father, I pray in the glorious, wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as we grow in unity and as we grow in maturity and as we grow in character, may each one of us look like Christ. May we have the character of Christ so that you may be glorified in this local church. Unite us, O Lord. Keep us united. And glorify yourself in and through us. As each one of us uses the gifts that you have given us to glorify you and to edify our fellow brothers and sisters. And even when we speak the truth in love, Father, may we receive it from one another as iron sharpens iron. And we are all built up into this amazing house for your glory. As we pray in Jesus' name.